So during this last year, there has been a lot of big news over something in the investment world that has grabbed the attention of a bunch of people in this country and even around the world. Now many of you don't care or follow anything about when it comes to finance and investing, but surely by now you've at least heard of something called Dogecoin. So Dogecoin, it started off as a joke, a meme-based, like the Shiba, Shiba Inu meme-based cryptocurrency that started off just purely worthless. It was fractions of a penny, but now a number of years later is worth a whole lot with a market cap bigger than some of the most popular um, and, and large companies in the world. And Dogecoin is taking up the news headlines for a lot of reasons that I'm not going to talk about, like Elon Musk on SNL, or I'm definitely not going to talk about whether you should put money into it. But I want to talk about one way that has grabbed my attention, uh, something that's a little bit more behind the scenes in the Dogecoin community that as a Christian has been really encouraging, actually, for me to observe. So there's this huge wave of Dogecoin investors who regularly make commitments to take their earnings and spend it on something to benefit the community to do good and they've turned doge d-o-g-e into an acronym which into do only good every day and a bunch of people have been heralding the the rally cry that if doge hits certain dollar values that they pledge and they invite others to pledge with them to sell off those shares and to do good only good every day with that money so a very popular thing, because it's doge, it's dog related, is to support shelters. So they've been adopting dogs and pets. They've been dropping off tons of uh, dog food and supplies to their local shelters. Um, some other cool things that are going on, and people are, are paying for the college education of others, whether they're family members, friends, or people in the community. Um, there have been a bunch of posts on Reddit of people paying off the debts of their loved ones or their parents, like paying off their mortgage or, or their credit card debts, things like that. The longest thread that I saw on Reddit that I just spent a lot of time just kind of scrolling and reading all the responses to was a bunch of random strangers who got together, who drove from all over Texas, even beyond Texas, like Oklahoma, Louisiana, driving hours to gather outside of Austin at a local soup kitchen. And they, a bunch of Dogecoin investors paid a bunch of money to support the soup kitchen. They brought food and supplies and they fed the homeless community, all in the name of Dogecoin doing only good every day. So what's happening here in, in this you know, example of this small community, or actually large community, is something that's been a biblical teaching for, and a mark of the followers of God, of Yahweh, for thousands of years, a biblical teaching that's all over the Bible, and it's simply this, that we are blessed in order to be a blessing. That God doesn't just bless us only for our own sake, but one of the reasons why he blesses us is so that we can be a blessing to other people. Blessed to be a blessing. So, when something really good happens in your life, do you ever think to share that blessing with other people? Or is it just something that you receive for yourself and you're happy for me? Are you a Dogecoin investor? Or if you were, if you happen to be, if you ended up making strong earnings off of it and you made all this money, would you do good with that money or would you just keep it for yourself? What about other blessings in your life that may have shown up unexpectedly or expectedly? Do you do good with that and bless other people around you or is it just kind of good for, for you and for your family? So the past four weeks, we were in a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. 
We spent four full weeks learning about who the Holy Spirit is. We learned about His power, His, His influence and presence in our lives. We talked about what He does in the work of the church and an individual Christian. Basically, we spent four weeks talking about how blessed we are that Jesus, in His ascension into heaven, He left His Holy Spirit behind with us. And we're pivoting now into a new sermon series. And, and technically, it's a new series. There's a new name, new everything. But um, as the pastors were planning for this, we kind of thought of it as sermon series 1A and 1B, that they're very connected. And we were very purposeful in putting these two sermon series back to back. Because the last sermon series talked about the Holy Spirit, what He does for us, and the fact that we, the, as the people of God, as a church, we are tremendous beneficiaries of the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And now... We're moving into this next series and we'll focus on as blessed ones, as, as recipients of that blessing. What is it time for us or what, are, what is our calling now? What are we supposed to do? We're blessed by Him. Now it's our time to be a blessing to the world and to others. And so this new sermon series, which is kind of 1B in a way, is called Sent. And so it is my joy to be able to introduce this sermon series to us today. So, we chose the word sent because it's major place in the Gospel of John. It is a foundational theme throughout the entire Gospel uh, um, account from the Apostle John, and it's based on the fact that Jesus is the sent one, sent into the world by the Father to save the broken world, to preach the, the kingdom of God, and to, to build up the kingdom of God here on earth. And so this word sent and all its derivatives it occurs over and over, all, just under uh, 60 times in the Gospel of John. And of these almost 60 times, the majority of them, 40-something of them, refer to Jesus, saying, He is the sent one. I am sent by the Father, as my Father has sent me. And all these types of sentences over and over again. So, you know, we're obviously not going to read the whole Gospel of John this morning. But the next time you work through it, maybe in your morning devotionals or as a Bible study, pay attention. You're going to see the word sent again and again and again. And it applies to Jesus as God the Father has sent His Son into the world. But then as we near the end of John, there's a pivot, there's a change, because Jesus accomplishes His mission on earth. He, 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 he gets crucified on the cross, He's dead and buried, He rises from the grave on Easter morning, there's an empty tomb, and before He ascends up into heaven, there's a switch. It, it switches from about Him being the sent one, now to us. It applies to us as a sent one. So in John 17, 18, as Jesus is praying to the Father, this is during the Passion Narratives, He says this, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The them He is referring to here are the apostles. He's sending them into the world. And our key text for this morning comes from John 20. So at this point in the gospel story, Jesus has already been crucified. He's been risen from the grave. There's an empty tomb. And he appears to his disciples. And then he commissions them in John 20. And the text says this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So in this moment of time, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. 
But this commissioning is not just for the, those 11. It's for all who would come after them, all those who would follow Jesus, all those who would commit their lives to Jesus and to living for him. It's for all the apostles who would come after this original group. So this message is for us. We're the sent ones. And this is actually, maybe you've never known the exact meaning of the word apostle, but this is where we get the word, the term apostle. To say that the followers of Jesus are apostles is a very specific meaning. The word apostle, it literally means person who is sent, a sent one. That's what apostle means. So as apostles, we have a shared calling, a shared responsibility and purpose in our lives is to go out into all the world as sent ones and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So, for these coming four weeks, we will talk about the different contexts and peoples in our lives that we are sent ones to, apostles to. This is how blessed people, receiving the treasures and the blessings of the Holy Spirit, we receive it, and now it's our way of giving it as sent ones. We are sent ones, apostles, commissioned to be bearers of the good news of Jesus Christ in this world. So today, uh, that's our series that's coming up. And today, briefly, I will use my remaining time to talk about our calling in global missions and evangelism. So let's take a look at what the Bible has to say about global missions and evangelism, uh, specifically about our calling as apostles in the Great Commission. So when I say Great Commission, it's likely that for those of you who are, have you know, been brought up in the church, you're instantly thinking Matthew 28. Oh, Great Commission is, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. So, you know, that passage at the end of Matthew, which is true, and that kind of is like the popular Great Commission. But uh, Bible study, fun fact, is that each gospel account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all have their own uh, Great Commission in them. And so uh, for our text, we'll just read through all four gospel accounts of the Great Commission. So, first, the popular one will start from Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Then Mark 16, verse 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Luke 24, Luke's account of the Great Commission. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. And lastly in John, we read this text earlier from chapter 20, verse 21. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So, there's only one point for today's sermon. It's just one big idea, and it's that you are an apostle. You're a sent one. Your calling is to be on mission for God. And it's our time to embrace that calling as our own, as apostles. So at Cornerstone, we're at a young church, right? Our median age, probably 20-something. Um, we're a very, very young church. And so the conversation and the search for calling, it's incredibly common. We have it all the time. 
you know, what, all the way from what major should I choose? I don't know what my steps are after college and then graduate school to, um, you know, like, who, where, where, where should I be? Where should I plant my roots long term? Uh, should I change my careers? Did I make the right choices? We have this conversation among friends, in our small groups, the pastoral staff. We have one-on-ones with many of you, and you're all searching for your calling. And, you know, while maybe the specifics are, are, are um, we still are unsure, the large-scale calling, I don't, a part of me wonders, why are we having this conversation? We already know the answer to that question. Our calling is crystal clear. It's right here in all these great commissions. Your calling is this. If you're confused, your calling is you are an apostle of Jesus Christ. Your calling is to be the light and salt of the earth. Your calling is to make disciples of all nations. Your calling is to share the good news of Jesus, to be His witness in all the world. Your calling is to work for the glory of God and be on mission with your life to embrace it and to love it. John Piper puts it really simply saying this, If you love the glory of God, you cannot be indifferent to missions. This is the ultimate reason Jesus Christ came into the world. If you love what Jesus Christ came to accomplish, you love missions. Because this is our calling. You are an apostle, a sent one. But the reality is, for all of us, we don't always live like it's our calling, do we? You know, we waver. Sometimes, some seasons of our life, we're really like um, passionate and, and working towards living out the mission. And sometimes it's just completely just lost. We're just working every day. We just care about making money or getting our grades and our papers uh, in. And we're not living for mission at all. And I think while all of us are in different seasons, I think there's one obstacle that each and every one of us probably shares, uh, an obstacle that gets in the way of us living out this calling as apostles. And it's this. It's that we often think it's someone else's job. So to be on mission for God, to, to care about God's heart for the world, to evangelize, to go to all nations, that's not for me. That's, that's for you know, the missions organizations and the staff, the people who work for those orgs. You know, going to all nations, being a living on mission, being an apostle, a sent one, that's for the people who are called to full-time missions or full-time ministry. Or, or that's the people with the gifts. Me, like, I'm introverted. I don't uh, speak any other languages. Like, I, you know, like, that's just not for me. I wasn't built that way. God didn't gift me with the gifts of evangelism or hospitality. That's for those people who have those gift sets. We think about it as if it's not our job. I think that's a great obstacle for all of us. So it's easy for us to disregard missions as something that it just doesn't apply to my life right now. So since the wintertime, um, I've been diligently waiting for Apple to release the new iMac. And after many months of waiting, actually maybe in the fall, I was waiting, it's finally here. So many of you, ever since the pandemic, actually probably a lot of you even before the pandemic, have had a really good home office setup. You have, you know, nice big monitors, maybe some of you have two, even three, good keyboard and chair and desk. Um, and this whole time, for me, I've just been using my little 13-inch uh, laptop screen. And a number of months into the pandemic, I, I guess it was once we realized this wasn't going to end anytime soon. Remember when we thought that this was going to be a few months we were big dummies back then. But once I realized, okay, this is going to be a long time, 
it dawned on me, like, why am I using this tiny laptop screen and ruining my eyesight when I don't leave my house ever? And so I said, like, okay, I'm going to get a bigger computer, a stronger computer with a big screen that's going to be, you know, good for the home office. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to buy an iMac. And then I like start preparing to buy and everyone's like no 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 Apple is making all these changes to their company they're releasing new products it's gonna be obsolete don't buy it don't buy it so okay I'll wait I'll wait I'll wait and I realized that every what everyone said was true so oh I guess I have to keep up to date with this stuff and so I signed up for everything that I possibly could to get notified about the release of these new uh, rumored products from Apple I bookmarked MacRumors.com, and that was like my homepage. I went there every single day, multiple times a day. I subscribed to different email lists. I followed all the twiddle, tw twiddle? Twitter pages of, of uh, the tech guys who are all about rumors in the, in the tech community. I subscribed to YouTube channels for all the popular Apple release YouTube channels. I was like a hub of Apple information. Everything that came up, I read the article top to bottom. I watched the YouTube video start to finish. I could explain to you every little thing that was happening in that company for the past six months or maybe even more. And finally on Friday, last Friday, two Fridays ago, the brand new iMac went on sale and I bought it, finally. And you know what I did right after I bought it? You know, I hit pay, confirmation, got the email. As soon as I got it, I sighed relief and then unsubscribe, delete, unfollow, you know on YouTube those three little dot things, click that, don't show me these videos anymore. Uh, purged myself of all these uh, notifications. I took Mac Rumors off my homepage. I never want to see that stupid website ever again. I just deleted everything. Now why did I do that? It's obvious. It doesn't apply to me anymore. As soon as I purchased the computer, it's not information that I want. It was vital for me. I was like, drinking up all this like Apple rumors, this and that, for months and months and months now, and I bought the computer and like that, now it's just spam. Delete, don't show me these videos, don't suggest them on my page, I don't want any more emails on it, I definitely don't want tweets, like clear out. Do you currently, or maybe not now, but in the past, have you had missions newsletters just coming into your inboxes that were just kind of spam-like to you? Maybe you read a few in the beginning, you know, a friend goes on missions and you get the first couple PDFs and you read them, but then maybe they just kind of sit there eventually. In the beginning you feel a little bit guilty about it and then you completely forget. Maybe it's the, maybe you never, you've not forgotten, but it's the type of email that it just kind of sits there and you always intend to read it, but you just never get around to reading it. Now here's the thing, all of us have done that. I've done that too. And so I don't bring this up to make anybody feel guilty or to rebuke anybody, but what I'm saying is this is a symptom of what happens when we don't think it applies to us. Our friend goes on missions or we, we donate or we give or we connect ourselves to a mission organization and we get all these newsletters in our email and it's, it's, it just becomes junk mail in a way. I mean, we hate to say it, because we don't want to say it, I'll say it for you. you we kind of treat it like spam. And the reason isn't because any of us have bad hearts or we dislike what's happening. It's, it's just a symptom. This isn't vital information for me. That's that person's missions trip. It's that family's missions org. It's, that, it's for that country over there and those people. It's like me and the computer. 
I don't need this information anymore. It's not that it's bad information. It just doesn't apply to me. It's someone else's life. But here's the thing. You're an apostle. So these things related to the mission of God, it is your business. Those newsletters do apply to you. That's not just news for the family over there and the organization over there or that specific people group or that country over there. It's our news. It's stuff that applies to you and to me. And the crazy thing is, if you are getting today or have gotten in the past newsletters, it's likely you're only getting those things because you signed up for them. You committed to it. You told somebody, hey, I want to be on your prayer list. Hey, I would like to donate to you and for your support raising. We've signed up for it. We are giving to it financially, and we don't think it, somehow we get to a place where we don't think it applies. Oh, that's not my trip. But the thing is, it is your trip. It is your mission. The irony is that you are praying for it and you're paying for it. It's yours. You are a member of that team. You are an investor in that mission. It is your newsletter too. It's your mission trip too. It matters to you too because your body may not be going anywhere, but you are equally an apostle, a sent one. And maybe you're like me. I just need to get my mind right, my heart right with God. And if I pause to actually just think about it, I realize what more would I want in my inbox than news of the good news of Jesus Christ being spread around the world. If I had my heart right, somebody would ask me, hey, Danny, do you want all these like, newsletters from companies and coupons on codes and, and, and when you want your next computer, like updates about the rumors of its release? Or would you rather have in your email box every morning when you wake up news of an unreached people group having teams sent there to spread the good news of Jesus? Would you rather find out that the Bible was translated in three new languages that has never been translated before? Would you rather hear of, of people giving up their jobs, selling all their things, picking up their families, even their young children, and moving to a foreign country, all in the name of the good news of Jesus Christ? Wouldn't you rather hear about these things? Because it's our story too. This is the mission that you and I are a part of. This is way more exciting to me than a stupid computer that's going to be obsolete in a matter of a few years. What more, what, what else would we want to hear? What other things would we would be more passionate about? But see, this is the obstacle that we need to do away with because we often just get into the mindset of, oh, this is somebody else's thing. But you are an apostle. I am an apostle. We are sent ones. It is all of our callings, equal callings, to be on mission for God. So church, let's live as apostles. Let's live as ones who embrace our calling as missionaries. So our application for today is simply this, to embrace your apostleship. Embrace your apostleship, friends. So here's a few things we can do. Firstly, to embrace your apostleship, you can support Missionaries, be a missionary supporter. Either renew it, uh, deepen it, or start it if you haven't. If you are currently supporting a missionary or a missions organization or missionary family, if you're already doing that, I praise God that you're doing that, but let's deepen that or renew it. Let's make sure we read all their newsletters, not just 
you know, does not make this this like the legalistic thing that it's like it's like worshipful to like you must read it, but not just because of that, but because of the heart, so that we are aware, so we know how to pray for them, so that we know what God is doing through this family, so we know their needs. Let's let's be aware of what's happening in these people that we're supporting. Uh, let's check in on them personally. You know, like when you're overseas, you get lonely. When you're on missions in ministry, you get lonely. But to know that people are thinking about you, sending small notes, a text or a phone call or an email, being, hey, I read your newsletter about this. I'm praying for you. How else are things going? What else is new? You're on my mind. That does so much to the heart of a missionary. Another way that you can deepen your support if you're already supporting missionaries is to ask them what they miss. Here's the thing that I would love for Cornerstone to do. If you're supporting a missionary family, email them today. Say, hey, what are some things that you miss about home? And then pack a a care package and mail it to them. You know, we often think, oh, missionaries, they must miss, you know, their family and friends, obviously. But you'd be surprised. A lot of times the huge things they miss are things we would never imagine, just things about being in their home country. You know, I, uh, one missionary family that uh, I was chatting with, I was like chatting with them, and, and they were like, you know what I miss is my favorite brand of shampoo. Because this country, obviously they have shampoo. We have shampoo. It's not the problem. It's like I just miss the one that I used to always get. And then you can just find that shampoo at CVS for them and ship it to them. You'd be surprised at how much joy it brings them, a little bit of taste of home. So we can do those, even things like that for them. And if you're not currently supporting missionaries or missions, I want to encourage you to start that today. If you know somebody in your life, uh, start giving to them, praying, uh, give to them financially, ask them to be a part of their newsletters. Maybe you don't know individuals or individual families. Find a missions organization and just learn more. Support them. Find out the work that they're doing and get invested in supporting missionaries. Second way is we can prepare. We can prepare to be on missions. This is how we can embrace our apostleship. Obviously, COVID has thrown the world upside down. And so one of my application points cannot be go. Right now, we just can't really do that, or at least, you know, hopefully soon. But we can't really do that right now. But we can do is prepare to go. So don't just wait passively. Let's start preparing so that when, uh, you know, there's, it's safer to travel when people are vaccinated, when borders are opened up and you can get visas so that we're ready to go. Start saving right now. Start researching right now. Start praying right now. Start connecting with missions organizations right now. And many of you are hearing this point and you're like, I'm not going on missions. Again, that's because we don't think it applies to you. If that's your heart, start praying about that heart. God, how come I, in my mind, Missions is not an option. Like, that's just not for us. Maybe it is. Maybe you need to pray about that now. Maybe some of you feel the tug all the time, but you're deathly afraid. You can prepare for missions today by praying about your fear. God, remind me that there is no fear in doing anything because you are with me. God, remind me that it would be my greatest joy to follow you where you lead me to stay comfortable in my bubble. Start preparing your heart for missions. And lastly, a way that we can embrace our apostleship is to pray. Pray for God's mission in the world. Pray for the world. 
Pray for a specific nation on your heart. Pray for the good news to make it to every unreached people group on this planet. Pray for more churches to be planted and leaders to be uh, raised up in these local uh, uh, countries and nations and people groups. Pray for every corner of the earth to have godly women and men sent to those places carrying the good news of Jesus. And a very specific prayer request for this Sunday is to pray for India. Many of us have heard on the news of how devastating of a time they're going through right now because of the pandemic. It's just, uh, yeah, the numbers and what's happening there right now is just staggering. Just the amount of pain that's going on in that country. And, and this week I was praying for India and I, and I was just wanting to do a little bit more research. And here's a couple like really simple statistics that they're not new. We know this, but it shocked me in a different way. So there's one point, about 1.3 billion people in India. Big, big country, right? One of the, or the most populous country in the world. For context, uh, the U.S., we always think that we're so big. We have 330 million. So 330 million, 1.3 billion. And of that 1.3 billion, it's thought that there's only just under 6% people who are Christians. So I had like this like a light bulb moment. I don't, this is probably obvious to some of you and definitely obvious to missions of minded people. But for me, it was like, oh man, like, like a little bit of a mind-blown moment. This means two things. One, this means that the majority of, as global people, as global Christians, right, the majority of our brothers and sisters are Indian. Our family, our brethren, our, our brothers and sisters in the kingdom and the world that God has created, the majority of them are Indian. They're our family. And secondly, if this huge population, this huge portion of the world, only 6% are Christian, 94% of them are not, that means who's praying for them? Maybe this is obvious to you, but for me, I had this moment, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this means that a, the largest population country in the world, it needs other countries to pray for them, because they are not praying for themselves. As Americans, I realized, man, I'm so spoiled. When we have things going on in America, like, you know, the hurricanes or, you know, different natural disasters, our election recently, big news. How many Americans are praying for America? Millions of us. But I thought about it. As India is, like, in this huge crisis right now, Indians are not praying for India. We have to. The world has to. Christians that are watching from overseas, we are the ones responsible for, for praying for our Indian family. Think about that. We need to be apostles who are praying for the world. This is how we embrace our apostleship. We embrace our, our apostleship by supporting missions. Do it now if you are not, and if you already are, let's deepen and renew that commitment. We do it by preparing our heart for missions right now, and we pray. Embrace your apostleship. See, Cornerstone, you are blessed to be a blessing. You're an apostle, a sent one, a witness of the good news that has been given to you. You and I, we have a testimony. 
that we believe that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to save sinners like you and me. And it is not by anything that we deserved or any work that we had done, but it's purely by grace, by His grace and through faith. And so we are hugely blessed, tremendously blessed, recipients of the treasures of all the heavens because of God's favor upon you and me. But we are not to keep that to ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing. So now it is our calling. It's our time to embrace our apostleship and to share that with the world. So Cornerstone, friends, let's embrace our mission, our calling, our apostleship to live out as sent ones in all the world. So before I close in prayer, um, I didn't want to just move on from you know, this focus that I just spent a minute just talking about praying for the world and specifically praying for India. I did want to um, just pause and invite you, friends. Let's be, we are blessed ones. Let's be a blessing and let's lift up our prayers for that country. So we're going to throw up the national flag there as we stand with our uh, Indian brothers and sisters. Um, and I uh, would just love for us to pray. So um, I'm just going to be silent for a couple minutes and I want to invite you to pray where you are in your homes and then um, I'll close for us in prayer in just a moment. So let's pray for India together. Lord Jesus, we this morning give you great thanks because we recognize that we are a people of great privilege, of great blessedness. You have given more to us than our hearts could ever possibly imagine. And one of the reasons why you do that, as we, as we talked about and as we will talk about in this series, is to be a blessing to the world to be your ambassadors, to be your hands and feet, to be your witnesses, to show the world through our actions that you are love. And so we want to ask, Lord, for this church, for Cornerstone, that you would stir our hearts, Holy Spirit, by your work inside of us to embrace our calling as apostles, as sent ones into the world, into the world globally and internationally, but even to our apartment buildings, our schools, our classrooms, our offices, even our Zoom calls. You call us as sent ones, as apostles to all these places, and we want to be the light and salt of the earth in the name of Christ and to your glory. So grant us a deeper heart to respond and to take 
uh, uh, action and to brace our apostleship today. Give us a deepened support and heart to take action to, to support the work of missionaries around the world. Give us a heart to go and to participate ourselves and to follow you with everything that we are. And give us a greater heart to pray for those um, in this world around us and overseas and, and not just for ourselves. And this morning, specifically, Heavenly Father, we pray for, for India. As Christians who um, are far from them physically, we know that they are still um, your children whom you love and that we have a responsibility to pray for. And so, Father, we pray for them as they, so many families are currently suffering because of what's happening with um, this wave of COVID-19 right now. Lord, we want to pray that you fill that country with all the resources they need. And we pray for President Biden and for America um, and for privileged countries um, like uh, the U.S. to provide supplies for them, whether it be ventilators or vaccines or testing or um, for uh, our healthcare professionals to, to go and do work, pro bono work there or to volunteer there and um, for there to be staffing. God, we pray for the Indian government to, to have all the wisdom and the courage to make the right decisions. Um, we pray that there would be no shortage of resources. And God, we want to pray for the families to be safe, for you to meet them in their mourning. And of that 1.3 billion people, so few of them are the church. But we pray for the church, even if they are a tiny, tiny piece of the population, we know that even, even the smallest bit of light overcomes the greatest darkness. And we pray for the Indian church to rise up, to be your witnesses, for the power of the Holy Spirit to use the Indian church to show and display who God truly is. And we pray that you would receive all the glory in that country today and forevermore. So Lord, we thank you for this Sunday. We pray you move inside of us and inside of this church. We pray that you equip us for effectiveness in your kingdom, that you receive all the glory. And we pray for this sermon series, that you would just really imprint and impress on our hearts, Lord, that we are apostles sent into the world, embracing our calling and doing good in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.